Thank you, Colin. Thank you, praise team. Last week, I had thought that I was, uh, I was done with the series that we were working on. Another day is coming. Another day is coming. Another day is coming. thought I was done, uh, but God saw fit this past week to open my eyes to show me that, we, we, Brother Frank, we weren't done. We, we weren't done. We have one more day. And uh, I, those of you who are watching online, those of you who are in here this morning, I, I want you to understand that I do not preach my opinion. God could care less what my opinion is. God could care less what anybody's opinion is. We either stand on the Word of God or we're standing on sinking sand. So I say that to say this. This morning, this is not my opinion. This is what Scripture says. This is what the Word of God says. Amen? Amen. Scripture says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but the Word of God will never pass away. Amen? I'm thankful for that. And what that means is there's all, there'll always be a truth, an absolute truth. The world is always seeking to find truth in the most unordinary ways, but the Word of God is the truth. Amen? Uh, oops, sorry. No children's church today. Some of y'all kind of looking around. He didn't say anything about his children's church. Uh, so y'all, everybody's staying in the sanctuary this morning. Amen? Some of y'all are like, what? What? Turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Again, the last few weeks I, I've considered, uh, the last few weeks we have considered three days that are soon coming. Days that we can, as believers, look forward to and as the time approaches. The first of those days that we looked at was when God would make all things right in the world. I'm looking forward to that day. Amen, church? Uh, all things made right. We call wrong right and wrong, right wrong, and, and, and we point fingers, and there's so much division in the world. But when God says something's right, it's an absolute right, and we don't have to question. Amen? So we, we looked at and we considered the day when all the world would be made right. The day when those who had been killed for proclaiming Jesus as Lord during the times of tribulation would be avenged. We then uh, looked at the day when every man who walked the face of the earth will acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Even those estimated 5.53 million people today who do not. Last we learned that of who the, who the 144,000 people were that are sealed during the great time of tribulation, seeing the book of Revelation. We learned that they are a nation that are sealed all over this world. They're spread out all over this world. And when they hear the sound of the shofar blown and Christ raptures his church, they will learn from the word of God who Jesus truly was, who he is, and who he has ever been. They will be sealed with the mark of God himself and evangelize him during the time and the days of tribulation. Today, we're going to look at a very familiar scripture and see a day that should, we should all be looking forward to. We should be all looking forward to. Some aren't. Some can't. Some never will be. But it's a day for us as believers we shouldn't regret or, or be, you know, upset in our hearts as we see the days approaching. We as believers should be excited. So the scripture we're going to look at this morning is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. 
And Paul writes this, the Apostle Paul writes this, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. He says, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. He says, for we, for, for, for we say this to you by revelation from the Lord. We, we, are, we who are alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and the trumpet of God. Now, we remember we talked about that last, last week. What is the trumpet of God? The shofar. That's exactly right. So he'll descend from heaven with the archangel's voice and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Look at verse 18. Therefore, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. Church, we should be encouraged. Believers should be encouraged by what we, we just read. Too often, we're, we're not encouraged because there, we're, there, there's an aspect of death here. But we should be encouraged by what we just read. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for allowing us believers to assemble back into your house to learn more about you to worship you, to lift our eyes and our hands and our hearts up to you, Lord, as an offering of worship. Lord, we pray that you would be with us right now. You would settle our eyes, settle our hearts, settle our minds, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be centered on you and you alone. Help us to truly hear a word from you today that we might be greater servants for you when we walk through these doors back into our mission field. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. In Jesus' name I do pray and all God's children said, amen. This scripture, this scripture that I just read to you here this morning, this scripture should sound very familiar to you as it is a scripture that I use every time we have a graveside service. It's a scripture that covers every single aspect of what we are all going to face on our last days here on this earth. For both those who have gone home to be with the Lord and those who still remain, for, for all believers of all ages, to comprehend and to follow. Now, we may not have experienced every aspect of this, this day as, as a whole, but each of us has experienced some aspects as we as believers will see, see them coming to truth in days to come. And listen, listen to me, church, as I've told y'all the past three Sundays, and if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to the messages the past three Sundays, they are online, they are archived, you can go back at any time and watch them. This day is no different from the last three, three Sundays that we've, we've, we've looked at, the last three scriptures, the last three days. It, what are you saying, Brother Kyle? It, it, it's this. Oh, what a day. Oh, what a day. The day that we just read about in scripture, oh, what a day. A day is coming that we can rejoice, we can be happy about. We, there, there's no more sadness. A day is coming, church, that we can lift our eyes up to the Lord. We can lift our eyes up to the Lord and look forward to this day coming. Well, you say, Brother Kyle, I, I, I just don't understand. I, there's certain aspects of this that I, I, I just, that, that kind of, they scare me. Well, I want you to understand something here, church. 
as I do say at just about every graveside service, when I was a child, just like many of you, Miss Cynthia Graveyard used to scare me. I had an aunt, Aunt Nail, in, in Horry County, Tabor City, North Carolina, where my family's from. And my Aunt Nail took great pleasure in scaring us as children. She used to love to tell us of, of how she had dreams of our family graveyard in Tabor City, North Carolina. And there was this one particular grave. You know, you know how you walk through a graveyard? And there's, it seems like there's one particular grave, one particular marker, one particular stone that kind of sticks out to you. And it's just like, you know, you have to, to look at it and, you know, read the information because it just kind of grabs your eyes, grabs your attention. Well, there's one at my family graveyard. And she said, I had a dream. I had a dream about that stone and that marker. She said, your great uncle so-and-so, I can't remember who it was. She said, I, I dreamed that, that he came out and he started walking the streets of Tabor City. And we're just like, well, come on, you know, I'm, I'm like eight. That don't scare me now. But when I was eight, that, I mean, that, that did his trick. James, it worked on me. And she told, she said, and in this dream, she said, I, I had this dream that, that whoever buried him, because back in those days, the family would bury, you know, they would bury their own. They would, you know, close the grave. Before they closed the grave, he, he had said he wanted half his riches buried with him. He said, so I believe that, that half his riches are buried there because I had this dream. And I'm thinking, we got to dig him up. I didn't know him, and he didn't know me. Hey, listen, maybe he'll leave me alone, Kayla, but I, you know, half his riches. You know, talking about gold and bullion. I mean, she was just, I can't wait to see old Aunt Nell again. But I, I was afraid of graveyards when I was growing up. This, this, our family graveyard, if you go to Tabor City, North Carolina, a lot of the roads still aren't paved. And the road to the family graveyard is not paved. It's, you know, bumpy, and it, it's sand. It's about the same proximity to where we are to the beach. I mean, it's, it's got that smell in the air and moss growing from the trees and the wind blows at night and y'all know what I'm talking about. You drive down that road and you just point the beams down that long road and it'll give you the willies. It really will. But as I became a Christian, as, as Christ entered my life and I started studying this scripture, listen, we as believers, graveyards ought to be the last place that we're afraid of. Do, do you realize that Scripture says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, that God reveals himself to his creation? All creation screams out that God is God and he loves us. We see the birds in the air, the trees, the leaves. We see everything. But we, we can see the graveyard as the expression of God's love as well. Do you realize that, that and I'll get to this here in a second, when a person dies, when a person dies, they are put into the ground. They're put into the ground. But on the day that we're talking about, it's going to be not only a day of revelation for the world, but it's going to be a, a, a day of, of, of reconciliation for those who are in the grave. Our scripture today says that that grave is going to testify who Jesus truly is. What are you talking about, Brother Kyle? They're coming up out of that grave. Angela, where's Angela? Angela, Angela. Did, did you know that I was preaching this this morning? What, what did we just sing a few minutes ago? I came out of that grave. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. You can plant me 12 feet deep, but when Christ raptures the church, if I'm in the grave, I'm coming out. Amen? So are you. It, it, it's a glorious day. Church, 
what do we see in our actual scripture this morning? Now, I think it's important for us to take a minute, just take a a minute and remember that the Apostle Paul, the devout Pharisee, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and he was of the Sanhedrin. He was in the Jewish court. This man, Paul, had been chased out of Macedonia, but but he had a love and a deep desire to return to Macedonia and teach the people of Thessalonica once again. What we need to see right here is at the beginning of our scripture is that God would have, if if God would have allowed Paul to go back and to stay with those Thessalonians and teach the people these lessons verbally, if he would have taught them verbally what we just read, understand this, we would not have them recorded in our Bibles today. Now, Paul had a desire to go back. Poppy, he wanted to go back and teach them. If he would have taught them these words verbally, we wouldn't have them stand in our Bible today. We wouldn't. So what does that tell you? Church, God knows what he is doing. Even when we think something is meant to harm us, Paul wanted to go back. He wanted to go back. He so desired to go back. And I I imagine Paul thought, God, why are you, why are you wanting to harm me? And God says, look, bud, I'm not wanting to harm you. You're you're not going back because you're going to write them this letter and it's going to be preserved in the word of God through all time. So every person who walks this earth can have the opportunity to see your words. It's not meant to harm you. It's meant for your good because God is good all the time and all the time. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So we need to understand that from the beginning, church. John Phillips Scholar says this about this morning's scripture. He says, Paul's divinely inspired letters are carefully preserved and ultimately incorporated into the New Testament of God's word. Thus, we have available to us the apostolic answers to all these basic questions in exactly the same way they were available to the people of Thessalonica. We hear Paul today answering questions that they had concerning death. We, we had the, he had the answers, and we now have the answers as well. Only church, listen, only the Word of God can give you an accurate explanation as to what happens when this life is complete. You, you can look. You, you can look all you want. You can read all the books in all the libraries across the world, but the Word of God is the only book that will tell you what happens to you when you take your last breath. That's the power of God, amen? Do you know how many people, how, how many countries, how many emperors have tried to destroy the Word of God, but yet here it is today. Here it is today. Most of us have the blessing that many in other countries don't have. We have multiple copies. We have multiple copies. If you go in my office, I have multiple copies of multiple different versions. I, I, have, I have an original 1611 King James Bible in my office that you can't read. I can barely read. What does that say? God's word has lasted through the ages that we might not be ignorant that we have the ability to pick up God's Word. God has always desired a relationship with us, ever since Abraham. As we look at our Scripture, Paul starts off his address by telling his readers that he is writing this because he does not want them to be uninformed. 
or ignorant concerning this matter. Can I tell you that the world is in such chaos and a state of confusion because we look for answers and all the, for all the world's problems in every direction but the Word of God. There's never been a time, never been a time, Bill, there's never been a time where I've had a question that the Word of God couldn't answer. There's been many times where I've looked at the answers in the Word of God after I've asked the questions that I haven't liked the answer. But it always answers. It always gives us an answer. People would rather believe a lie than to search the Holy Scripture just to glance at the truth. Not even to believe it, but even to glance at the truth. Paul says, if we hear his explanation, we will not grieve like the rest of the world who have no hope. When your hope is in Jesus, your total mindset is transformed. Listen to me, church. You're not the same. When your hope is in, in Christ, your, 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 your mindset's not the same. And I say this and I remind you that, that before, when I was a child, I, I, was, I didn't grow up in church. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know what the church was. I didn't even know who Jesus was. Jesus was just about as, as, as real to me as the tooth fairy was. I did not grow up in the church. But I came to a point in my life where I, I just could not live any longer. I was, I was done with the world. I was tired of death. I had five people that were close to me who died by the time I was 19. And I went to the woods of, of where I lived and I said, God, reveal yourself to me because I'm sick of this. Two months later, three months later, at a New Year's Eve party, that good-looking girl was looking at me and I was looking at her and she was checking me out and I was checking her out and we talked and exchanged numbers, started dating and two weeks afterwards she looks at me and I look at her and she says, do you want to continue dating me? I was like, yes, yes, yeah, yes. She said, I'll see you in church in the morning. I'll see you in church in the, what? Church, church, church. I'll see you in church in the morning. Because if you're going to date me, you're, you're going to church. And that, that, that good-looking woman is sitting on the front row today. She's mine, and I'm hers. Because when you give all to God, God, God blesses you, doesn't he? He rewards you. And as we talked about football earlier today, Shaggy out punted my coverage. <laughs> I know you did too, son. I know, I know. I out punted my coverage. Ricky Tyre, I, I did, I did. So as we look at our scripture that we've just read, we're right now in that some believers in Christ have died. In our scripture this morning, Brother Kerry, some believers in Christ have died. So if we look at this and try to understand from the very beginning of the church age, which started when Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended back into heaven. We see in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit came and he breathed, breathed life into the church. Y'all remember? Well, ever since the church began until this very day, he's talking about every believer who's died. Every believer who's died. Okay? Scripture says, in our scripture it says they're sleeping, but he's talking about dying. And he says there's some still on the earth who are still alive. That's you. That's me. That's my grandchildren. That's your grandchildren, right? So the questions that are now 
have to be answered are this. Number one, what happens to those believers who have already died when Jesus returns? That's the first question. Number two, what happens to those who are still alive on the earth when Jesus comes? Two questions. Those who are dead, those who are alive. Okay, what happens to these believers? Paul gives us two pieces of information that need to be understood before he goes on with answering these questions. The first is that believers are believers solely due to the work of Christ seen in verse 14a. 14a says this, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. Now, you have to answer this question. I, I can't. I, I can't. If somebody comes and asks me a scriptural question, I can, I can show them what Scripture says, but I can't make them understand. I, I can try. Steve, I can't make the answer for them. They have to answer for themselves. So as we look at this, you have to answer. Every person has to answer the first question before we can move forward. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, then nothing more Scripture can say to you. Nothing more of what I'm about to say concerning this Scripture will have an effect on you. Paul then qualifies, he qualifies what he is just uh, is about to say in verse 15a. Verse 15a says this, this is how you can believe me. Paul says, this is how you can believe me. Before he goes in, because, you know, I, I want to listen to somebody I can believe, right? Amen? I want to listen to somebody who I can trust, who actually knows what they're talking about. Everybody agree? So Paul, the Apostle Paul, the Pharisee, the man of the Sanhedrin, makes this qualification. He says, you can believe me because of this. Look, look at uh, 15a. 15a says this. For we say this to you by a revelation from God. What he's saying is, I, I didn't come up with this on my own. I didn't. How, is we can, how can we as believers trust Paul? Because this isn't his first revelation. Y'all with me? Where was Paul's first revelation? On the road to Damascus. He put it upon himself. He says, listen, y'all Christians, y'all are a bunch of crazy people. I'm going to wipe y'all out. I'm going to take you out. This is, this is nuts. I, I'm, not, I'm not falling for this. And as he's on the road to Damascus with papers in hand from the Sanhedrin to, to lock up Christians, to crucify Christians, to, to put Christians in, behind bars, something happens. What happens? Scripture says a light from heaven shone on him, and he says, Paul, excuse me, Saul, Saul of Tarsus, why are you persecuting me? Why? Why? He says, well, who are you? He says, I'm the Lord. This isn't Paul's first revelation, but as we look at Scripture this morning, we can understand it, we can believe it, and it is qualified because this is a revelation from the Lord. It's not from an unknown person. He, he's qualified to say what he's about to say. So what is it? He says, if you believe that Jesus is true, the one and only Son of God, then, then we can move forward with answering our questions. Well, what questions to those who have died before the return of Christ? Look at how can we answer that question. Verse 15b answers the question. Verse 15b says this. It says, We who are still alive at the Lord's coming 
will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So understand, Scripture tells us that no man knows the time, the day, or the hour when the Lord shall return. Not even Jesus himself. Only God the Father knows when he'll send his son back to this earth. Right? Y'all with me? So he's standing ready. He's standing ready. I imagine, you know, Christ, Scripture says that, that we are the bride. He is the groom. I can't imagine being separated from my bride as long as Christ has been separated from his. I'd imagine, Deborah, that about every day, God the Son looks at God the Father and says, can I go get her today? Can I go get my bride today? I mean, I bet it's a question that's asked quite often. And just like the question that was asked of, of those who were under the altar a few weeks ago, God says, you know, son, put your white robe, relax, I'll tell you when it's time. I'll tell you when it's time. But there's great anticipation. But understand, on that day, when, when he finally goes to God the Father and says, God, can I, can I, is today the day? And as we look at Matthew 24, those days are fast approaching. It really is. Amen? When that day comes, when that day finally arrives, when, when Christ is allowed to come and, and, and receive his church unto himself, our scripture this morning says that he will descend with those who are dead in Christ with him in the air. Now understand something. According to scripture, according to scripture, who has dominion over the air today? Satan. Satan. So Jesus is going to come on that day and he's going to step foot on the clouds in Satan's dominion and he's going to receive his church unto himself. In other words, he's going to black his eye. He's going to say, well, hold on a second. I thought, I thought that was my dominion. Oh, no, listen, your, your dominion's gone. Everything's gone, buddy. You, you're, as a matter of fact, your days are numbered. Your, your days are numbered. You want to understand why Satan is unleashed and doing everything he can to disturb the world today? Because he knows his days are numbered. We win in the end. The church wins in the end. God wins in the end. Next, we see what happens to those who are still alive when Jesus comes again in verse 17. Verse 17 says this. He says, Then those who are still alive will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the, Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Now, people have asked me from time to time, and I, I you know, there are questions. Staying even with the Word of God, I have to say, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I look forward in many ways to shed this body. I, I can feel my soul alive in me. Amen? I, I, can, I can feel my spirit alive in me. I know there's something, I, I can feel it. People ask me from time to time, why are the dead in Christ in their spirit coming with Christ when he raptures the church? And why, why will they be reunited with their body? 
And why, why, why is it in this scripture that when Jesus comes to receive his church, we who are alive and remain will go up to meet him in, in our physical body? I, I'm tired of this physical body. It hurts. It aches. It pains. It's, it's, it's fat. I, I'm tired of it. I, I don't want this. I, I, why, why is God going to do that? I, I, want, I want to be, I want to look like I was when I was 21, a head full of hair like Caleb's got and muscles. I, I, that's what I want. Well, it's not what we want. It's what God wants. Brother Kyle, why? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. All I can do is I can tell you with 100% surety that it's exactly what's going to happen. Well, hold on a second, Brother Kyle. What, what, what about their, those bodies that are decayed and they're in the ground? You know, according to, to Hebrew and Jewish tradition, he said, that, you know, they, they wanted ashes to ashes, dust to dust. They want their bodies to, to desecrate as fast as they can so they can go back. It doesn't matter. We're talking about God here. <laughs> God can restore anything. Amen. And he can do it again. Brother Kyle, can you give me further explanation? I can't. All you have to do is trust him. I, I don't know why, but there's a reason. And I promise you this, that's going to be another day coming when we have our eyes open to the truth of everything that God's told us to have faith in. Brother Kyle, I mean, that's, that, that's, putting my, that's a lot of faith. We're talking about a lot of God. Amen? Paul ends this portion of Scripture with these words. He says, therefore, and when we see the word therefore, we need to understand what it's therefore. He says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. What he is saying here is tell the world. T Dan, tell the world. E everybody has a fear of death and dying. He said, tell the world. You people of Thessalonica, I know that you're worried about it. You've written to me, and I'm answering your question. This is what I want you to do. I want you to encourage everybody. Tell the world. Church, I, I want to encourage you this morning with these closing words. Something that, that we can clearly see in our scriptures this morning without being Bible scholars is this. We are going to leave this world one of two ways. There's not two ways. I mean, there's not, there's not three ways. There's not four ways. We're going to leave this world one of two ways. I've told y'all in, in times past, I'll tell you it again. Option number one, if I had to choose between option one and option two, Bob, I'd pick option two. Okay? But I don't have that luxury. Option one of leaving this world is I am going to die. I'm going to die. Something is physically going to overtake me. I, you know, heart attack, stroke, cancer, car wreck. I, I, I don't know. But something is going to overtake the ability for my body to continue to function. And in times past where that is kind of, I mean, it, it's, it scared me. Colin, this is what Paul wants us to remember. If that is option number one, the way God receives me back, if that's option number one is it, guess what happens? Ms. Crawford, I get to see Jesus. I, I get to see Jesus. You see, when I called out to God in the woods of TK, South Carolina, back in 1988, I said, God, reveal yourself to me. 
He did in the form of Jesus Christ. He changed me. I am not the same. And I've been learning about him and studying about him. I have gotten into the Word of God. I, I have looked into the Old Testament, the New Testament, the history, the prophets, the Torah. I have, I've looked in, in the, 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 the inter, interdenominational time of, uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I've looked all throughout the New Testament. And the more I learn and the more I study, the more I understand that he loves me and I don't deserve to be loved. Nothing I have done. Nothing I have done deserves or merits the love that God has for me. But he does. You see, if I, I die, option number one, I get to see Jesus. Miss Dale, I get to see Jesus. I mean, we get to see Brother Dale. I mean, we get to see Brother Phil. And that's great. I'm going to give him a high five if I'm walking past him to go see Jesus. That's option one. We die. Be encouraged. It's not that bad. Scripture says, look, it's, it's, it's like falling asleep. Option number two. For believers, we're raptured with, with the church. We're raptured with the church. What that means is when Jesus comes to take his bride, the church, home, guess what happens when that happens? Miss Edie. We get to see Jesus, the one who died for me. He died for me. I, I get to see Jesus. I, I don't, listen, be encouraged. Paul says, be encouraged on either day, option one, option two. And listen again, Lord, listen, if you're, if you're listening to me, if we're close enough, I, I go for option two. We get to see Jesus, for he's the one who died for me. And I'll fall on my knees and cry, holy, 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 for he's the Son of God. Church, a day is coming, and I don't know when. When either I'm going to take my last breath on this planet and go home, or when Jesus raptures the church. But on that day, I will see my Lord. How do I know this, you might ask? How, how do I know? How, how do you know that that's not your opinion? How, how, how do you know that this is going to happen? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Church, help me. For the Bible tells me so. Let me ask you this morning. Do you meet the requirements to leave this earth safely? Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that God raised Jesus from the grave? If you answered yes to both of those questions, then death is as easily a thought as laying your head down tonight to sleep. Do you know my Jesus? Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed.
This morning, if you're here or you're watching live stream, if you're watching live stream right now or two days from now or two weeks from now or two years from now, and you want to know how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to call the church or call me, and I'll show you what the Word of God says. It's not my opinion. It's not my opinion. I don't have an opinion. But I'll show you what the Word of God says each person must do to spend eternity with Him. If you're here in the sanctuary this morning and you've not ever done that and you want to accept Christ as your personal Savior this morning, I'll be down at the altar and I'll show you what God's Word says each person must do. So easy. Man makes it hard. Religion makes it hard. God makes it easy. As the music plays, do you need to come? Will you come?